It's so tough with that because I'll get emails sometimes, and it's all, you're you're always torn between like, do I respond at all? Yep. Do I respond nicely or do, or like in like, you know, bend over backward to like be nice to the person, or do I kind of like give them like a fiery response back? Yeah. And I always feel like I write a fiery response back and then I end up like deleting most of it, you know? Or like and yeah, doing like a much more cordial like kill them with niceness kind of thing but i had one guy also email me on the same story and and he's like uh your article is not reporting on something new and it's definitely not dealing with organic food it's integrated pest management it's been around for decades and it was invented by the university of california extension or university of california system uh i figured a a davis aggie would know that i'm like damn like like there's a way to like try to ask a question or correct me but you don't have to be rude like I'm not yeah. doing this to spite you, and I'm not a dummy. Yeah. Don't talk, don't treat me like I'm a dummy. So I, I responded to him. And I was like, actually, yeah. it deals, it does deal with organic and blah, blah blah blah. People like to be dicks. People just like to be offended these days about stuff. Yeah. you know. Yeah, I look for any reason to get fired up. Uh, okay, you ready? Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Husted. What's going on? Congrats to Sarah Paulson with the win, not for American Horror Story, but uh, for playing Marsha Clark on um, the OJ show that was also on FX. Um at the Emmys this weekend. That was pretty sweet. She gave a good speech. She gave a great speech. I'm so proud of her. It's long overdue, uh, as we all know. And the more that Jessica Lange kind of got weirder characters that weren't as... I don't know. Sometimes when you're the leading character, you, you, you deal with like different writing that's based around you, but you don't get to notice Sarah Paulson or someone like that more. But I think as Jessica started transitioning away... Sarah Paulson really like you you really recognize how talented she is. And she was barely in the first season, remember? She was like the medium. Oh, Billy um Billy Dean right. Howard. Billy Dean Howard. Yeah. And well I mean obviously we had her that character come back last season. Yep. But yeah, I mean she was underutilized because um I can't even remember back now what she had been in before American Horror Story. I mean she was a pretty uh she certainly wasn't a household name before that. No, I don't think but, so. But yeah, she's she's obviously become a major major VIP. Uh, we have, um, although I don't think that we scored any Emmys this year for Hotel. Is that correct? I don't think there was any. No, I don't think there Oops. were. And I, I don't even remember what the last Emmy American Horror Story one was. It certainly wasn't for Freak Show, so I'm guessing it was probably back. At... Coven? Did Coven get one? Jessica Lange might have got one for Cup. Yeah, that would be my my guess. Would be the closest. Um, certainly, people can correct us if that's otherwise. But uh, regardless, certainly, you know, talent that is is good. You know, happy to see that her talent is being appreciated by the broader critical community. Right. Um, but man, uh, we oh. just knocked out the sec. Oh, never mind. Yeah, go ahead. I was looking at the list. Mm. 2014, Kathy Bates won. 
2015. 2015, nothing. Yeah, nothing was won for Freak Show. And two, Did six, Kathy Bates win for Coven? She won for... Because that would have been her first yeah, I guess so. season, right? 2014. Hmm. She got supporting actress, and Jessica Lange got actress. Lead like, actress. Yeah, the uh, lead, lead actress in a miniseries or movie. And then last right. year, Sarah Paulson... Jessica Lange, Dennis O'Hare, or no, sorry, that's Freak Show. Sarah Paulson and Kathy Bates were the only ones nominated this uh, for for um, Hotel. Can't we just say what a absolute shame it is that Dennis O'Hare didn't get nominated for that? Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, she was, was great. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but let's start. Go ahead and start diving into um, Ron- our our Roanoke story, which we just watched episode two. Um, do you, did you catch the, the title of this episode? Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Well, we're diving right in with creative titles here. Um, of course, before we really dig into things, I want to emphasize how much we appreciate you guys uh, interacting with us on Facebook for sure. We have a great community going on there, lots of interesting comments. We try to share stuff and provoke conversation. That's This American Horror Story um, on Facebook. And, of course, you can email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com if you want to, you know, uh, send us questions or comments or whatever and interact there. Um, and, of course, if you want to check us out on iTunes, rate us and review us. We really, really appreciate that. You tend to only really get um, the super fans and the people who really hate you on there. So getting a little in between is always appreciated, and we certainly enjoy um, reading through those and trying to learn from uh, how people feel about things. Or- Regarding last week, um, we did get a, a good comment from, you know, I always try to cover what we'll call reader mail or whatever. Basically, people sharing their ideas, and I, I think we get some cool theories in here. One of them that Michael shared over Facebook was the possibility that Shelby is a witch. Um, and his uh, theorizing for this was, you know, when at um, Matt's bedside, when she touches him and loses her baby is when he gets life brought back into him mm, the the dichotomy there and that kind of being yeah some kind of uh, Give, blood sacrifice kind of right. thing um, and i think that's certainly the witch is a possibility i think we'll be looking all season four tie-ins between roanoke and past seasons mm-hmm. but at the very least i think it's certainly something we hadn't really talked about last week which is uh, a human sacrifice of some kind which we see at the very beginning of this episode so i don't think it's any coincidence that that was the case between them and also here right now, diving into... Oh, well, before we begin, I always have to ask you what you're drinking to complement the episode. Cabernet Sauvignon, a red wine. What are you drinking? Is that from Napa Valley, Chris? Uh, yes, it is, actually. Representing your, your old stomping grounds. I'm drinking a Bavarian IPA from Warped Wing. It's a brewery out of Dayton, Ohio, and it is quite delicious. I want to ask you about the opening scene. Okay. I want to ask you about... The human sacrifice, because it's kind of something that happened, and then it was just kind of left out there. Yeah. We didn't come back to it. We see Kathy Bates for the first time. I think we see... I'm pretty positive that's Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah. The the kind of witchy-looking one. Yeah. Like, the kind of witchy-looking like one. She's kind of a, the Igor, it seems like, to... She's like a... Kathy Bates, Dr. Frankenstein. Um, she's like an ugly Sarah Jessica Parker in Hocus Pocus. Yes. Yeah, actually, that's actually a great analogy. What did you make of that scene? Because we pick up right where we left off. Right. Um, 
Also, like right when we start, we kind of get a flash forward of like like scenes in the episode we're about to watch, which was very like unsolved mysteries ish. So they're keeping with this new format, which I'm enjoying. I know some people said they don't like it, but I'm I'm kind of into it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I it was interesting that they reminded us they had dramatic reenactment flash on the screen uh, while this sequence was happening. Um, and then as far as what the human sacrifice is, I think we know answer the question for me what the squealing was at night, but it also made me think: Are they sacrificing someone every night? <laughs> um, well, obviously we know that this person is not an actual pig monster. pig creature. Then yeah. it's a they're putting it, you know the the pig head on people and then sacrificing them. Right, and then, I don't know. Shelby spots them, and Kathy Bates's character, who we don't know the name yet, is like, "Go get her." And she bolts, and uh, this is kind of, the only odd part to me about this was that Shelby decides that she wants to fight now, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, it seems a little changing character for her. That being said, I uh, I, I also saw um, uh, West Bentley. West Bentley, thank you, uh, in the mm-hmm. in the crowd there as well. He he's obviously very recognizable because he kind of looks the same. Um, so I'm, I'm certain we're going to get more background on those characters. I'm happy that we didn't get it yet. Like, let's stick with our core group right now, really develop a relationship with them, and then, like, slowly get into these peripheral characters. And obviously that's going to be a major part of the season, but I feel like we've just been hinting at it so far. But you're right, I appreciate in some ways that we're kind of easing our way into what is def- obviously going to be the most significant I feel like sub kind of plot of the season, or at least his most significant antagonist that our primary character is going to have to deal with. I would assume, right? I just, whatever's going on there. They, they, I've been, I was impressed how restrained uh, American Horror Story the writers have been so far. Mm-hmm. It's a definitely, a definitely a different course. Yeah. Um, a few things that I noticed in this scene that I wanted to point out. Obviously, at the very beginning, we confirm basically that the individual that Shelby stumbles upon has been scalped. Which is, you know, associated right. with Native American Native American groups at that time, which feeds into the whole theory we talked about about the people of Roanoke being attacked or overcome by Native Americans or having joined a band of Native Americans, which I think are two separate theories about what happened to those people. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is this pig sacrifice becomes a recurring theme. We see these pigtails nailed up all over the place. Um, we you know, in, on the walls of the house, inside the house, um, on the tree. I think they nail a pigtail onto the guy. It reminded me, like, mm-hmm, right. in Winnie the Pooh, how Eeyore has his, like, tail Tacked on, yeah. And, um, you know... Oh, and then um, I think Matt stumbles across a pig when he's in the woods, like a wild boar kind of thing. This... I was wondering if that what that if that, that meant anything to you, if you felt like it represented anything. I, I, I'm still, I said this last week, but I'm still getting Lord of the Flies vibes um, with the pig in, in the woods. And it is almost this worship ritual, even though it's a, like it's human sacrifice, but it's this ritual, ritual ceremony. And in Lord of the Flies, the boys, like, worship this pig head as their leader, their god. Uh, and I, I still kind of get those, those vibes. It, it seems like there's some, something significant about the pig to this group of demons, ghosts, whatever they are. What did you think mm-hmm. about the, the pigs? 
I think at least in this scene, to some degree, the pig represents gluttony because, you know, Kathy Bates' character talks about how the person that they are roasting over the fire had stolen rations, I believe she mentions. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a good point. Um, So I'm curious to see if that is something that's brought up again later. Another thing I noticed in this scene is I, I listened to, you know how the episode loops and once the first episode ends if you st- you know, keep watching they'll replay the next episode again at 11 o'clock well um, I was listening to the th- words Kathy Bates were saying like the chant she was making and I typed it in oh, good. to Google yeah, just because I was curious so it's called the Song of Amergen and I kind of looked it up and this Amergen guy was a uh, like a Celtic bard in Ireland and it's like this um, it seems like a Celtic chant uh, I am the queen of every hive I am the fire on every hill I am the shield over every head I am the spear of battle I am the ninth wave of eternal return I am the grave of every vein or every vein, vain hope I am the most beautiful among flowers I am the salmon of wisdom Amergen's invocation of Ireland I request the, Ireland to come, uh, the land of Ireland to come forth Coursed as the wild sea Wild the crying mountains um, so, I mean, obviously, invoking druids, we've got some kind of earthy magic going on there. Maybe they're descendants of Irish immigrants. So I've got a question for you, and this this is what made us think. Did you see the movie um, The Witch? No, I didn't. I, I, I know you're talking about, though. Did you, I know you did. So it came out earlier this summer, maybe the beginning of the summer. Um, creepy movie, for those of you who haven't seen it, that takes place... Uh, in like puritanical times um, and there's kind of it's this family that's very religious it's kind of been basically exiled from kind of the greater community and they live out in the middle of nowhere by themselves and they're kind of harassed by these demonic forces that live in the forest outside of them um, but you, I kind of definitely get that feel from what's going on in the woods so far with like these uh puritanical kind of people i guess and this kind of creepy demonic ceremony they're having that we revisit later on when matt and shelby come and and find the weird blair witch effigy thing burning Mm -hmm. um so i think it'll be yeah i'm curious to kind of explore that further as we get into it now after this happens shelby like she has this very traumatic experience, but then when you know they're at the hospital, she thinks that it's a hoax that's put on by the mountain the butt people. tooth brothers that live down the mountain. And at the time, her and Matt kind of resolve that they need to stay, they need to fight back. And this is kind of a recurring thing, theme I notice as well, is that um, all of our characters in this season, there's kind of this theme that there's reasons that you wouldn't necessarily believe them as reliable narrators. Definitely. In Shel- in Shelby's case, you know, it's the tr- you know she's drinking a lot of wine for one thing, but it's also the trauma of having lost the baby has put her in a weird state. Correct. Matt taught you know when Matt sees the creepy nurses downstairs, he believes that that could be possibly from some kind of neurological damage he got from PTSD when PTSD too probably that gang initiation, and then Lee starts back drinking again, and Addiction. you know when they find all the knives in the ceiling, they so like say, I do it. You know, but yeah, so I think that that... They all have a reason be to be c- unreliable. Yes, I agree. Right. They've also, uh, to tag on to that, they've also all... For the theme of this uh, episode also for me was fighting for what... Fighting for yourself and what you want or what you think belongs to you. For for Matt, 
<coughs> Matt and Shelby, it's the house. <coughs> Excuse me. And obviously for Lee, it's her daughter, Flora. That's true. That's an excellent point, too. And obviously by the end of the episode, we find out that Matt and Shelby don't really have a choice anymore. It's kind of funny how they're so resolved. It always happens. Even after what they've seen. <laughs> this season so far has very much invoked in me the classic... I don't know, watching a horror movie trope of yelling at the characters that you're doing something stupid. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I have to believe that that's intentional on the part of the writers. I feel like they're it is. provoking that intentionally. A lot of it's contrived, you know, to me, which which doesn't make me not like it, but it makes me enjoy it less, at least initially. So when Flora shows up, Lee's daughter, I was like, of course, that we're bringing on a creepy kid to talk to some invisible thing that no one's going to see besides her, and she's going to have communication with this ghost, imaginary friend, demon, whatever it is. And sure enough, Flora finds Priscilla and talks to her, like, immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's a major trope in, like, haunted house movies. That totally reminded me of the movie The, uh, the Others. That yeah, one with uh, totally. Kimmel. With the playing mm-hmm. the jacks in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, in that house, too, you know? Like, I feel like that really old, airy house. And The Mist. The Mist is something that I remember from that movie, The Others, too. <coughs> Creepy old old ghost that died in this place. Um, another thing that kind of bothered me was <laughs> Matt and Shelby kind of at the beginning, at least, playing into kind of traditional gender stereotypes with, like, Shelby being, like, the paranoid wife that Matt didn't necessarily believe her, you know. I'm glad that, that by the end of the episode Matt's that he was very much... Too. Yeah, that he very much believed in everything she said, and they yeah. shored that up quickly, because that can be something that becomes obnoxious. Definitely. He's not as big of an asshole as they are in the movies, usually. Now, I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, let's talk about the nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with Matt's kind of vision... Uh, that he has when they come downstairs. And uh, first of all, tell, I mean, I thought maybe for me this was maybe the most creepy scene of this particular episode. Definitely the most disturbing. Uh, and we get another gunshot to the head uh, sequence. But, you know, obviously I think we know from the get-go that he is not, he's seeing this, but we don't know if it's real or not. And as the one nurse passes by him and he's yelling at them, they're not acknowledging him. It's clearly a... A vision or, or, or something he's seeing. Uh, and the two nurses are, are poisoning this older woman. And she calls him out on it as she's almost dying. And they just said, they just shoot her in the head. They're like, no, nope, you're done. Boom. Killed her. Mm-hmm. And then write the letter M because her name was Margaret up on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the entire time this is happening, uh, Matt is freaking out about it. And basically after the murder part, uh, bolts. <laughs> um, but these were, I think we also saw these women, these two nurses briefly in episode one. They walked quickly by uh, Shelby in, in a mm-hmm. scene. They are disturbing. Well, and it's funny because I think that we had, um, at the time, made a reference to The Shining. And it's funny that they write murder on the wall. Mm-hmm. Murder. It would have been funny if it was red, red rum. rum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or that would be uh, too so, much. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was pretty accurate in that sense. Um, I think that for the, the I agree. I think the scene was the scariest for me. But I did feel as if a little bit the narration, the way the narration was cut in, took away from the scary a little bit. And I don't know if that was intentional or not. But I almost prefer that during this sequence they would have not interjected with the voices of the actual characters. Let me be in this scene. 
And just had let it play yeah, out. Yeah, because it's a Agreed. good scene. It's it's messed mm-hmm. up, but I, I agree. I was scared. It reminded, and I'm getting all sorts of deja vu vibes from all sorts of other movies, of The Sixth Sense. Like when the kid wakes up and stumbles into the, like how scary that mm-hmm. is when he like walks into the kitchen and finds the dead mother and the knives and stuff like that. This is, it had that vibe for me. I was waiting for the nurses to, uh, after they do that and they do their little laughing, cackling, to like one of them to like look at Matt and be like, oh God, they do see him. Yeah. Or something like that. I'm sure that'll happen at some point. Like I have goosebumps talking about that happening and it didn't happen right now. I know. And so kind of the, they end up finding the cellar in their yard where apparently Dennis O'Hare had hidden out at one point um, as he was being driven mad by the spirits in the house. Um, This was in 1997. He was a professor at Raleigh University called Dr. Elias Cunningham and had been there specifically to study the story of these nurses um, who apparently were real people had this nursing home where they just violently killed people in the nursing home. Um, five of them, specifically, before more evil forces even than themselves wiped them out, is what I understand. Right. I think that's what it was. I can't completely remember because, A, people don't get mad at us when we when we don't know everything because we did w- just watch the episode one time. Um, he gave us basically his whole book the historical significance of this house and the property in like 30 seconds. So A, I'm not mm-hmm. buying the book because he already told me what how it goes. But B, um, yeah, there was a family that lived there and they disappeared. We don't know. And they left all their belongings and then the nurses moved in and started bringing in uh, as a, um, a convalescent home for people who want to dump their relatives off and not just so they could wait to die there. So these are the people that are, the old people that are going to get be forgotten anyway, or are already forgotten. And then it's something it, about the the evil spirits that uh, that when people think they escape, or the the two nurses escape and run away, but he believes that they were stopped by some evil forces or spirits or demons, and that they did actually flee the country, like the police have said they did. Did you catch? the mention of Helter Skelter in here. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what he wanted his book to be like. Which is, yeah. for people who don't know Helter Skelter, that's a, the, I think it's the most famous, if, it, if it's not in cold blood, it's Helter Skelter, most famous true crime novel mm-hmm. um, ever printed. And it's all about the Manson murders uh, back in the six, uh, 69, 68, 69. Well, yeah, yeah, not even, not a novel, actually. Like, uh, this really, actually happened. Really happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the novel's not right word. Um, they have uh, a bunch of people were murdered in this Manson cult-ish situation. One of them was Sharon Tate, who was pregnant, and that was a big deal because she was pretty famous back then. Uh, but anyway, and that, that book takes place... Uh, or that book is told through first-person accounts of some of the people that were uh, involved in the in the whole situation. So that that the Helter Skelter is, I think he, he was referencing that to say this that's the type of book he wanted to do. Right. Well, and it, which is interesting then that you know as he's talking about that we're seeing it through his perspective and he's kind of bringing in the found footage concept here. Yeah. Um, here we go back with the found footage stuff. How'd you, as I was going to say, how did you feel about that? Did you think it was lame or did you think it was creepy? Oh, God, I was scared. <laughs> like, I, I, like, I know what's happening, and these are the scenes in, like, Paranormal Activity or Blair Witch 
where it's like it's a fuzzy terrible like vi like visuals uh video sequence there but i'm still scared because i'm looking around every corner i know something's gonna happen and you're just waiting for that to happen but you don't know when it's gonna happen or what is gonna happen so i was pretty on edge during this whole scene and i think dennis o'hare does a good he he has this flustered um uh characteristic that's going on with him right now because he's so messed up in his head from leaving the cellar and what's been going on with the demons so having him like jolt the camera around and, and say like i know you're here i know you're here holy cow i was pretty scared and i jumped as well, i jumped super hard when uh when we do we do see something i jumped hard when he like bumped into the wall or whatever he did initially anyway i was scared found found, found footage is so good at doing that at making you yeah you know yeah jump at something scary and i feel like dennis o'hara's kind of manic uh, just his excellent acting only helps to kind of exacerbate that feeling really right um and i i have to believe that's not the last we'll see of his his films yeah yeah i'd be happy if we see a few more of his films they're mm -hmm. pretty scary <laughs> Uh, the other obviously kind of main plot line here is Lee being a terrible mother. <laughs> a kidnapping mother, a felon mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and her sweet daughter... Flora. Uh, ...is content enough to play Jax like it's the 1930s yeah. or something like that. And um, quickly makes a invisible friend that is kind of a horrifying visible, invisible friend. Um now the first we hear so this this ghost name is priscilla she wants a bonnet to make the bleeding stop um and when they're playing hide and seek we find out that priscilla has told her she's going to kill everybody in the house and save the little girl for last uh are we to assume that the woman who was waving at is priscilla laura outside the window is priscilla? that's what i was is that thinking. the interpretation yeah that's the impression i got because for her to motion to her seemed to me that they have a relationship <laughs> whereas yeah. when um matt and shelby were looking out the window they just saw the figure standing there right uh i i'm curious to see i think mason's gonna well, die soon to be honest I, I think he'll die first the husband yeah yeah, because there, there had to be some kind of convenient... We haven't seen thing. him interviewed at all, so I assume that he either didn't want to do it, so maybe he is alive, or that he will die. <laughs> well, if he, he survived this, I could see him being pissed and not wanting True. To, do, to do it. Um, yeah. I'm wondering whether Priscilla is someone who died at the property and if like what happens is that these Roanoke people keep killing people at the property who become ghosts and then kill further people which would kind of be murder a murder house, house type <laughs> situation yeah um or whether we just have really a shit ton of antagonists in this season um so trying to figure out who who really to be concerned with i guess but obviously the episode ends after all this you know after Mason takes Flora back and says she'll never come back. And Lee brings her back to the house, falls off the wagon, gets all drunk. Um, and Flora gets kidnapped. That was all just... I, I, I get what happens, but it's also very contrived to me. <laughs> we see her hoodie at the top of the tree. It was like Little Red Riding Hood kind of... That was, that was pretty sad. Ominous. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think she's dead? No, no. They're not going to kill a kid off. I mean, they'll kill a kid yeah. off, but they won't kill a kid off. This, like, kind maybe, of pure of a kid so far. Maybe she'll become a... She'll get possessed at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, possessed, possessed will bring that back from asylum or something like that. The, the With Lee's storyline, though, like... Uh, the the why I say I feel like it's contrived is it feels it feels forced is the the narrative that her daughter of course is showing up and is gonna stay at the house for a night because the judge blah 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 it's like okay well okay we got the creepy kid showing up so it's clearly something's gonna happen and it happens right away and then when she kidnaps her or no when 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 the dad comes to pick her up from the first time the legal time. Um, they she the the narrative from the from Lee IRL is talking about how Flora loves to play this game hide and seek, but her version of hide and seek, uh, since she was a little girl. I don't know what that adds to like she's playing hide and seek. I don't give a f if this is like I, there there's it, I, nothing added to that for me. I and that's one of the issues that I'll talk about maybe at the end that some of the voiceover stuff by the IRL people is just distracting. Like, mm-hmm. let me be in this moment for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like them setting up scenes, but when they jump in the middle of them, it's like, ah. Uh, the other one I was thinking, sorry, I'm like totally taking over this. Um, no, go ahead. Um, when they're watching the, the video with Dennis O'Hare, we, keep, we cut to uh, Lily Rabe, Shelby in real life, mm-hmm. and she says things like you know what he was saying was crazy or that was insane like he's insane it's like no like you've just been seeing a bunch of crazy stuff like this is your validation <laughs> like and the one thing that does validate it is that they see the murder or murder <laughs> written on the wall so i i that that was just like what like stop it shelby before, life go away <laughs> but before this point they'd found this horrifying creepy Burning, burning cross pig or burning, effigy yeah in in the woods so it's not like they haven't seen other things i yeah i agree that like for me the big discovery of finding the murder written on the wall was like is that really what's finally going to turn right. you we we know this <laughs> you've already said you're gonna <laughs> yeah. fight for this place and you've clearly experienced way more crazy things than any normal person would and there's a man who used to live here who's telling you you're right yes so, first thing I'm going to ask you is where you predict this is going, I guess, from here. With, uh, the plotline with Flora. Like, what's... is? I think, ne- like, next episode will probably focus on trying to find Flora. The police will come back. They'll do something. I wonder if Lee will get arrested because of whatever reason. Um, the, these characters, especially Lee right now, is going to go through some real tests from either the demons and and her family or both uh, i think we'll see a focus on that daughter mother-daughter relationship and losing your kid as she says is one of the hardest things to do and we know that shelby already did that with shelby and matt i don't know something else is going to have to happen i think for them to get involved outside of just helping shelby find flora um mm-hmm. I assume they're going to interact more with the people in the forest. I think that it's a turning point now that they're on the same page. They kind of lost their out, which was to, you know, sell the house back to the bank or whatever, which is kind of... Always happens. Basically scammed them into taking the house. Yep. Uh, because it had all the history with the nurses and everything. 
I do think you're right there. They're definitely going to learn more, something more from Dennis O'Hare. I can't imagine he's gone now. We'll find more found footage videos that'll creep the hell out of us. And uh, I have to think we're going to see more of these Roanoke uh, ghosts appearing and learn a little bit more about their story. Yeah. Um, I, I do hope we don't get, in the upcoming episode, we get like two or three expository, like 20 minutes on a character that kind of detracts from our main storyline right now. I'm okay like getting to know these characters a little bit episode at a time, but when they start giving the background immediately of a character that I don't really know, I, I it's uh it doesn't feel earned. It's feel like you're trying mm-hmm. to force that character on me. Right. Yeah, like they try to make too much happen too fast, which I have to say hasn't been so much the case so far this season to the writer's credit that it hasn't passed seasons i feel like we're setting up a lot of threads that i hope all that i hope go somewhere but it's it's all centered around you know these three main characters um and yeah i think we'll the prime thing is we'll learn more about these these roanoke characters i think that this is the longest we've gone in any season of american horror story so far without seeing who Evan Peters is going to be. Oh, yeah, which is kind of nice. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed him in, in Hotel. Yes, um, he was I great in Hotel. I am yeah. optimistic about uh, where he could, he could go. And he was the... creepy as Tate. Oh, Tate was the be- his yeah. best character by far. Um, yeah, one of my, my favorite characters of all time on the show, I think. So I'll be curious to see where, where we go with him. And... There's other actors. I mean, Matt Bomber, I think we know, is back too as well, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and he, no sign of him so far. Right. So, I, I, you know, I'm still reserving hope. Maybe we'll have, like we said, uh, anthologies within anthologies, which I think could also still right. be really cool. Cheyenne Jackson, also, we haven't seen him yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's going to be back as well. Maybe there'll be, yeah, two anthologies. Or, may, yeah, I'm sure they'll show up before we know it. Uh, so... Some final thoughts on this episode. I was thinking as I was watching this about interconnectivity between this and past seasons because I think that's supposed to be something that's going to show up more and more. That's specific. Mm-hmm. Nurses made the nurses made me think of Asylum. Totally. Priscilla, the invisible friend who may or may not live in like the basement or the cellar, reminded me of Murder House. Also, the house reminds you of Murder House. Yep. The pig-headed man. Who Lee, which was one of the scarier scenes for me when Lee like sees his reflection in the mirror. Oh, I knew that totally was totally reminds happen. me. Yeah, reminds me of the Minotaur Man from Cut. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That guy who has the Minotaur head sewn on him. That was that Gabby Gabby Sib Sib um, had sex with. Yeah, that was that weird. was weird. Um, so I'm trying. Like in my mind, I'm trying to connect. Like maybe with the mountain people or like freak show. Um. There seems to be maybe like a little hills uh, have eyes kind of thing going on there. I'd be down if Pepper showed up. Ah, <laughs> uh, Pepper. She's just going to be in every season. That's going to be the interconnectivity. But I'm wondering if like there's something about this, like all the antagonists from all the past seasons are kind of, I don't know, if they're just winking at us or if this is means something. I think they're, I would love it if they're actually not red herrings, but just little like like hints that these people might be involved, but they're actually not. It's a different way. You know, Hotel was easy to connect with the, um, the other uh, seasons because you just have someone come stay there, which is what right, they have. Totally. 
Um, I think Freak Show will be the most challenging one to connect outside of what they did with um, Pepper. That was about it. Right. I guess I am hopeful. Yeah. I'm hopeful that with all the mystery and buildup around this season, that there's a solid payoff that they were clever about how they connected everything, you know, that they thought this through pretty thoroughly. Have faith, Tyler. Have faith. I do. I do. I'm not giving up faith yet. I'm not. Um, So I guess to that end, I want to hear your final thoughts on the episode and your your final review. Um, One thing... I have three things to bring up that I hadn't mentioned yet. One is um, Dennis O'Hara's character says the forces won't let him sleep. So maybe we'll have some insomnia where obviously they're going to keep getting challenged by the ghosts, the demons, whatever's happening. Interesting interesting note because I think Matt at one point when he sees the nurses thinks that maybe he's dreaming. Yep. So there's – and the fact that you brought up that they're unreliable narrators is, is really fascinating to me. You know, what if this whole thing is just them trying to pull a fast one? Or I mean, that would be terrible, and we'd be all pissed off. But now I'm kind of not trusting the IRL characters either about what how they're recalling things. That mm. would be too smart for American Story, though, probably. And like <laughs> the whole reason that their voiceovers are like not connecting completely with the storyline or what they're saying is different is a deeper connection whatever anyway um also dennis o'hare's video uh reminded me of um screen three (laughs) (laughs) um where randy uh who dies in scream two he's like the horror movie aficionado he uh has a videotape that he makes in case he died in the second in the sequel uh to for them to play uh, on the rules for a uh, horror, or for if if you find a um, um, a part three to a series, and Dennis O'Hare, we don't know if his character dead is dead or alive, but it, it is one of those like he's rushing through like all the things that have happened so far, and that reminded me. And Jamie Kennedy plays Randy in the Scream series, uh, so showing up posthumously. Do you think that Dennis O'Hare is still alive somewhere, or that the only interaction with him will be kind of these? videos that almost provide I think we'll find that tips answer. and guidance. Um, I think we'll find that answer. I, 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 like, I kind of hope he doesn't turn out to be alive. I think that would be a stronger story. But <laughs> this is American Horror Story, so he's going to be alive at some point and they're going to find him. That's the thing. is like Anything's possible, so I'm not going to immediately dismiss... Right. Uh, and a final note that I've noticed, I think I've mentioned this last time, but you don't ever see the cameraman or like, uh, like a boom pole dropping in or like, I don't know, with all these people that are doing the reenactment filming. I know you're not gonna True. see them because they, that's why they film it, but with all this footage, you would think there'd be some sort of like, you'd see a cord or I don't know. Well, and we really don't have any interaction with the interviewers for the IRL people or anything right. either. Until I did, did you watch this the preview for the next episode? Yeah, I didn't. I couldn't really get. It reminded me of a Mad Men preview where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> it was scattered, but I do remember that there was a time where Lee, the IRL Lee, says like, "Turn oh, off the that's right, to the people yep, who yep. are interviewing her." So we finally get that kind of. Interaction. I do. That's true. We have not seen. We don't know who's shooting this documentary or whatever you want to call it. Remind me, in the end of Asylum, Lana's character is interviewed for 
some true crime kind of thing. Isn't she? Yes. No, she's interviewing the son of her son, who's there to kill her, right? No? Oh, God. People are going to be so mad at us that we don't remember this. I thought she was the one being interviewed by somebody else about her experiences. I think you might be right. Thinking of ways that that would be... Because that actually was... That occurred in the more modern time. Right, and she's a famous author at that point because she wrote a book about the whole thing because she's a journalist, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be hyper-focused on this whole interconnectivity yeah, topic. Yeah, you're right. She was being interviewed. Season. She was being interviewed to discuss mm-hmm. Threadson. Hmm. Anyway. Um, so ultimately this episode I like also when they're running at the end looking for uh, Flora I jumped so hard when Lana looked in those bushes uh, God, Lana. Shelby looked in those uh, bushes and she like starts going closer I'm like oh what's going to be in there and then boom Matt comes running through and I yeah. jumped pretty hard I was scared yeah. so I got a lot of jump scares those are cheap scares but I like them mm-hmm. so I, I was pretty happy with this episode um, we're still doing the trope you know, situation with uh, a lot of the a lot of the um, horror movie tropes showing up in this these two episodes. I'm okay with that so far because they haven't really screwed them up. I think they're piling them on too much in a row, and they're using a few too many of them at once. But this is American Horror Story. This is what we do. Uh, I'm having fun. I'm I'm scared. I'm enjoying the new format that they're trying out here. It's something different. If it, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still in, and I give this four dead pigs out of five. Seven dead pig heads. Yep, mm-hmm. pig heads. Yep. What about you? Uh, that's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. I would say, like you, you know, I appreciate the homages to past horror movies. I think that's a, you know, prominent part of the series that has especially kind of been turned up as the series has continued. Um, I think that it, this episode was a little scattered for me in terms of all the different things frightening our main characters. It's you know it's not just the Roanoke ghosts. It's also the creepy woman outside. It's the nurses that died in the house killing other people. I'm into those nurses. That's gonna they're gonna be fun. Those are good actresses too. They I I would not mess with them. Yeah, there. I mean, there's there's, and you know. I wouldn't say that it's too much for me because I'm, comp- you know, I don't. Okay, I'm not confident, but I'm hopeful that the way this all ties together is going to be kind of cool and clever. Yeah. Because I feel like we're not, we might be in a better position than for that than in past seasons, just focusing on the smaller group of main characters instead of fifteen main characters and ten antagonists kind of things. So yeah, looking forward to to that as well. I would say in terms of the format, I I enjoy the format. I do wish, like we talked about, that they would let things play out, especially the scary scenes play out without the the narrators interrupting a little bit more to heighten that sense of fear. Mm -hmm. Because those are the moments you get lost in remembering, not remembering that this is a reenactment. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think when like a char- like Sarah Paulson or Cuba Gooding Jr. is playing these characters, they think of themselves as Shelby and Matt, or do they think of themselves as actors reenacting what happened to Shelby and Matt? I feel like knowing them as talented as they are and the awards they've won, they're probably... I don't know, because they, they, they look like they're just playing the characters. 
Like they're mm-hmm. not they're not actors playing the characters. They are those characters. So right. maybe like we said, like this is like the most expensive budgeted uh, reenactment of a crime story that you've ever seen because you've got three baller actors uh, reenacting. So they're really good. Also, kind of funny that Sarah Paulson and. Cuba Gooding Jr. also were in a recent true crime right. story <laughs> in which they portrayed true events. That's true. And, and Sarah Paulson just won an Emmy for portraying somebody else. <laughs> so yeah, maybe they're doing the version of Matt and Shelby's story that they did of the O.J. Simpson story. Exactly. The People versus O.J. Simpson is just the was the prequel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or at least it was these. Yeah. What led these actors to their next opportunity? I think that I'm going to give it three and a half. Okay severed pig heads because I think you, that yeah. there's work that needs to be done and there is some things that were a little contrived. It needs to be tightened up and tropey. not as forced. Yeah, I you know I think that there's a lot of potential but there's things that could have been more well done uh, in this particular episode and I think that yeah, it left me feeling a little scattered and you know they're very much into the cliffhangers this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume we'll continue to like pick up immediately where we left off last episode. So probably next episode it'll be like they're in the forest and they just saw the hoodie in the. Hen- tree, hence know? the episode titles are just chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Like we're going sequentially, like or chronologically, as this is happening as we hit the sequence of each chapter so far. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Interesting. So seven and a half. Not too bad. Not too bad. No. Um, I, you know, we'll see how next week follows up on it. And as this continues to build, I'm looking forward to learning more, especially about the Roanoke characters, because I feel like there's all sorts of weird, creepy, demonic mystery going they on. They need to let the creepiness um, build more. And what's going on with Gaga's I don't know. Crazy I, I, I fear that I might be annoyed because it looked too, like, over-the-top character Like, <laughs> this isn't a music video, Gaga. I have faith. I have faith. We'll see. We'll see. She has a new album out, too, apparently. So, you know. Maybe maybe uh, that's why she's taking a back seat in this season. Is she was busy with other. I'm okay with but... that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sarah Paulson's earned a lead role. Yeah, damn straight for sure. And Cuba's doing a great job yeah. too. Yeah, I, he has more to do now, so he's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll be excited to uh, follow up on this next week with our further thoughts. Um, please share yours with us. On Facebook, as we mentioned earlier, and of course um, over email, because we will share theories and thoughts and discussion questions on the podcast and um, on the Facebook page, and we hope that you engage with us there. Please, please check us out on iTunes and rate us and review us. It means a lot to us. Sometimes we're dummies and we forget things, but we try to provide you with uh, somewhat coherent intellectual conversation. So hopefully we can do that on rare occasion. Um, before we sign off, Chris, where can uh, people find you between now and next Wednesday? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K, Snapchat, the Chris Husted. What about you, Tyler? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well, at TJMoss11, and Instagram too, although I am not nearly the prolific Instagram or Snapchatter that Chris is. Um, but I am busy on Twitter, so you can check me out there. Uh, In the meantime, we hope you all have a wonderful week and an excellent weekend. Until next week, uh, happy hauntings.